clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. I'm sure it was great. I just needed some downtime, so I appreciate him stepping in and filling in admirably. And like I said, he is on his bye week this week, but we have a lot to get to because it is our Halloween send-off edition. So technically, Halloween was yesterday, but we know that our Halloween edition is super popular and beloved, and I will say, I feel comfortable saying beloved. I, I truly do. So we couldn't just ignore it on a solo catch. Although, I guess we kind of still technically are, but it's going to be a good episode. We have a lot to cover. Today was the NFL trade deadline, and it was a year. And that is the thing I want to rave about, more so than than anything, because the NFL, we talk about it being the most popular sport in, in America, right? Maybe not the world. I think soccer still probably has that one. But in terms of the United States... Football reigns supreme over basketball, even the beloved baseball. Football stands true. But what has always been a a downfall, if you will, or something not exciting about the NFL is that it's never had an exciting trade deadline like the NBA or even the NHL has had. But this year, that has been thrown out of the water. There were a record 10 trades made just today. And that is the most made on any NFL trade line day, deadline day. And that's not even talking about the, the trades that happened yesterday or the trades that happened last week because there are a handful. So to have 10 today, which is a record-breaking number, to have the number of trades that we had earlier, it, it, this has just been a really exciting time. And, it, and it's funny because I've talked to Adam off-air and been like, I always feel like the trade deadline so exciting. And then we're like, yeah, and then nothing happens. That has not been this year so there's a lot to get into so I just wanted to give that rave because it really is exciting for the fans that on a, on a Tuesday everyone's checking their Twitter or they're they're following their favorite team or they're watching Adam Scheffner and Ian Rappaport to make sure what's going on and getting the latest updates so it really is exciting that 
on this random Tuesday on the first of the month of November that we do have all this stuff going on. There are a ton of trades to get to, a lot of exciting moving pieces that have happened, some lesser under-the-radar trades that are also exciting and really cool and impactful. So we will get into all of that here shortly. But like I said, I just really wanted to rave about that because it really has brought an an element to the league that we haven't seen in recent years which I think is only a benefit for the league and it really just really is exciting before I get into all of that though I wanted to take a minute to wish those of you who celebrate Halloween that y'all had a great Halloween weekend we didn't unfortunately get many trick-or-treaters it's the second year we've been here that it's just been a really rainy rainy night which, uh, in my opinion, is a bit of a bummer because I was really excited to live here in this nice little rural town that had like all these neighbors and whatnot. And I was like, trick or treating is gonna be so exciting and so active. I think, I mean, like we are, and and kudos to the families that that braved the weather. I think we had around eight kids or so, which is cool and great and good. A lot of classic horror costumes I saw. There were there were a handful of Michael Myers, which I mean, Halloween Ends just came out, so I'm not surprised about that necessarily, but. Uh, a lot of just slashers, which is which is fun and cool. Um, saw one Disney princess, so that that that's still a tried and true, which is great. But if y'all had a, a party or something that you went to, or you just hung out and watched scary movies this weekend, or maybe Halloween's not even your thing, I hope you had a great weekend. We had a pretty fun one. I dra- dressed up as one Daphne Blake, so uh, dyed my hair orange. It was pretty cool. Think think I did okay. Adam was a werewolf. He won best makeup, which was great. Uh, very well deserved. He put a lot of effort into that. It's all over our bathroom right now, so he still has to come clean it. So we'll see if next week he, he has done that, and I will give you an update on whether or not that is still needing to be done or it is done. But enough about that. Let's get into the NFL and talk about the trades that happened. Let's talk first about the big pin that fell and I'm not sure if Adam talked about this last week but even if he didn't or if he did this is still came to huge benefits already and that was Christian McCaffrey being traded at the San Francisco 49ers this happened 10 days ago on October 20th it was uh late in the evening it was after a Thursday night football game it was after the Saints Cardinals game people were already talking about it and I had no idea what was going on and then I found out Christian McCaffrey had been traded so that's a that's a huge piece for Christian McCaffrey to go from the now rebuilding Panthers, although they didn't make a, other fire sale trades, which is uh, good for the the Panthers in my opinion because they have to have some pieces around for a head coach to to want to come there. But so in exchange for Christian McCaffrey, the 49ers had to give up a 2023 20, second, a 2023 20, third, a 2023 20, fourth, and a 2024 20, fifth so they gave four picks they packaged them all together together to get christian mccaffrey who already has paid leaps and bounds for the 49ers against the divisional rival super bowl champion la rams christian mccaffrey ran for a touchdown he caught a touchdown and he threw a touchdown he's the first 
running back to do all three of those things in a single game since I believe 2006, and that was Ladanian Ladamian Tomlinson. Uh, so obviously that is pretty great company to put yourself into with Christian McCaffrey. But so he completed his one pass for 34 yards. So it wasn't like this was a two-yard pass. This was a pretty legitimate pass that traveled, I'd say, at least 20 air yards, if not more. I, I can't remember well, thinking about the play in my head. But it was it was a serious pass. He ran 18 times for 94 yards, so over five yards a carry for that touchdown. And then he also caught eight passes for 55 yards, almost seven yards a catch. So if we think that Kyle Shanahan didn't sit in his office and think about creative and awesome ways to use Christian McCaffrey, you are dead wrong. And it was great to see him come out there and do those things because we here at Simultaneous Catch have always been really, really pro Christian McCaffrey. We've always been rooting for him. We've always been believers, even with the injuries and whatnot. We have always been like, this guy is super special and legit, and he has gone to probably the best place he possibly could because Kyle Shanahan is going to use him and use him really, really well. They're on their bye week this week, the 49ers are, so they're going to have even more time to continue getting him comfortable with the team and implementing him in creative ways. I'd watch out for Christian McCaffrey. If you're an owner of his, then you are happy, and if you are playing him in the upcoming weeks, I, I apologize because I think this guy's going to continue to be this kind of production. Maybe not having that triple crown of catching, receiving, and throwing, but he's going to be used in really creative, good ways. And we see it in the yards per touch here. It's really, really impressive what Christian McCaffrey's done so far in San Francisco. Let's move on to another trade. This one dropped yesterday and it is one that I think is also really great for their respective teams. I'll say teams. The Chicago Bears continue to sell and revamp so they traded Robert Quinn uh, earlier last week as well to the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know if y'all remember this or saw this, but Roquan Smith was delivered that news in a and when he was giving a presser, and he got emotional. He started to to get choked up and worked up about a, a man that he really respected, a teammate that had, had tutored him. And remember, Robert Quinn. Uh, if you're not following the Bears, or you don't think the Bears are great, or you think Robert Quinn is old and washed up, Robert Quinn had 18 and a half sacks last year, so he's definitely been a defensive leader. So him going to Philadelphia, Philadelphia continues to load up and and, and work for that championship team that they're, they're going for which they won again against Pittsburgh they won the battle of the Keystone State so great for for the Philadelphia Eagles and getting another piece to to continue working towards that so that player I was talking about though Roquan Smith who got emotionally choked up during that presser he got shipped to the Baltimore Ravens and that is an exchange for a second and a fifth round pick honestly this one baffles me a little bit and so I guess I shouldn't say it baffles me because it makes sense because Roquan Smith was in the middle of a contract dispute during the offseason. It was looking like this could have come to fruition earlier on in the year, but he eventually came back. He was playing out his year. He leads the NFL in, ta- in tackles with, I believe, 84 tackles. I could stat check that, but I'm pretty positive it's either 84 or 86. I'm leaning 84, though. But this is a guy, and he's my favorite middle linebacker in the league. He's one that, uh, during draft season, I often pick, pick and choose these linebackers I really love. Sometimes I completely miss on them, but uh, a lot of times I really hit on them. Roquan Smith was my guy that I absolutely love during this year, and he has been nothing but be a leader, be consistent, and be great. I was really excited with him for for him uh, under... Matt Eberflus, but alas, he is heading to Baltimore, which I think is a great, great fit. 
because there are, there are so many things working for him in Baltimore that Baltimore, in my opinion, and they have Patrick Queen, which is another one of those linebackers that I absolutely love. So this pairing is like Josh's Sunday of linebackers, which is awesome. But they've struggled in the middle a little bit this year, and we've seen that and giving up those leads that they've had. The They, they um, lost to Miami and, and to Buffalo and then to New York by giving up double-digit leads. So they are going and getting a defensive piece that they really think is going to help solidify that to make that push. They were able to hold on to their double-digit lead, or excuse me, their lead against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Sorry, they're doing some work downstairs. I don't know if you can hear that, but... We are upstairs, and uh, just listen to the sound-calming voice that I have here. Not all the work going on downstairs. Anyways, back to the Baltimore Ravens. They held on to their league on Thursday night against Tampa Bay. They did not let Tom Brady get back into it. They put the nail in the coffin there, and they got that win, which I think was really important and good for them. But getting this piece in Roquan Smith, I think, is really good for this year's on-field production. Now, the reason I say this year, and the only reason I can see it being a little bit dicey, is because we have talked at odds about what... Baltimore is going to do with Lamar Jackson, right? So Lamar Jackson didn't sign his contract extension this year. He's playing it out. So now you're going to have a young middle linebacker that you need to sign to a probably record-setting deal. It's probably going to be in that $20 million a year range. And you have to get Lamar Jackson. I am worried that this is going to become kind of a rental for Baltimore this year just to try to go get that championship. Because I just don't know. I mean, the the cap grows and it moves and people are so smart at manipulating things and doing all the great magical jazz that they do. We've seen it for years and years and years and I'm always like, how can this team do this and require all this talent? I feel like they have to have a plan in place because they know Roquan is at the end of his rookie deal and they're going to have to sign that extension. And I just have to believe that Baltimore is a smart enough organization because I really believe that they are to go out and make a move that is not going to jeopardize them or throw away their picks or not matter because, I mean, I I think it's a steal. Adam came into my office and said, biggest steal of the year, a second and a fifth for Roquan Smith. So it's not like they invested three years worth of first-round picks or anything to to get this guy. But, I mean, it's still, it's not a pick that you're going to to laugh at or scoff at. Baltimore does a very good job drafting, so that second-round pick, I very well believe, could always be a first-round pick with them. So it is a, a it is investment. It's not super large in terms of, like I said, they're not mortgaging the future to get Roquan Smith, but they're getting a player, a player I absolutely love, a player that fits exactly into that mold, is going to be a leader, is going to sure up a lot of things, is great against the run, is great at pressuring the quarterback, but can also drop back in coverage and do a lot of great things there against teams like Cleveland that we just saw commit to running for the first time this year. I don't want to say first time this year, but really just committed to, to running it down Cincinnati's throat last night on Monday Night Football. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who we know has a young quarterback that they're running the ball with Najee Harris. I would even say the Bengals, who, no, I can't even say the Bengals. They're not trying to run. They're trying to throw all the time. So the that's the drop back in pass, in pass coverage for Roquan Smith there. But to, to fit into that organization or in that division is going to be so good for Roquan Smith. I'm really excited about him there. Who doggy have to catch my breath? There's a lot going on, like I said. 
So I did see online while Chicago was making all these trades and everything, which I've and I've seen even Chicago the last couple of weeks because their offenses seem to have gotten into a bit of a rhythm, but the defense just gave up 49 points against the the Dallas Cowboys, and that was with Roquan Smith, everybody. So keep that in mind. Although, like I said, I love him. I don't think it's just him, but uh, that was with Roquan Smith. So they're they're getting rid of defensive cornerstones and leaders. And they're like, oh man, like we're just who like what's going on with this organization? We're tanking, it doesn't matter. What are we gonna do with all these picks? Well, they made a trade of their own, everybody, and maybe not something that a lot of people are super excited about. Uh, maybe a guy with some emotional maturity that he needs to deal with and, and grow up a little bit, but they traded a second round pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers, another team that is struggling, for wide receiver Chase Claypool. Now this is Chicago's own second round pick not the second round pick that they received from the Ravens so it will more likely than not be the higher one so good good job maneuvering that trade on Pittsburgh's part not taking the later second round pick which I'm sure was talked about making sure you grab the earlier one but I really like this trade for Chicago for Justin Fields specifically it was something that we talked about in the offseason, especially during the draft when we're like, Chicago has to go offense, right? And they went all defense, which is great. And they're getting some some real great snaps, quality snaps, quality production from young rookies. And we'll have to see um, some more step up here. And I think we're going to at the linebacker position, a player that I'm pretty excited about, to be honest. But getting Chase Claypool to pair up with Darnell Mooney as a one and two for Chase or Justin Fields, excuse me, is a great move for Justin Fields, especially as they are starting to find that rhythm. Chase Claypool is young. He's still only 24 years old. He's been in the league for a handful of years. Uh, three years, yes, three years with the Steelers after being a second round pick out of Notre Dame. He's checking in at six foot four. 227 pounds, so this is a big guy, a physical guy, uh, Mabletron, because he has his Canadian roots and whatnot, but this is a big guy. He averages 13 yards a catch, 13 and a half yards per catch in his career. He threw a touchdown earlier this year, or just last week, excuse me, against the Eagles to Derek Watt, of all people. So this is a guy, like I said, maybe has some maturation issues. I remember during the Vikings game when the clock was going down, he celebrated a first down catch instead of getting the ball to the line and whatnot. But this is a guy that can definitely be a cornerstone wide receiver, in my opinion. I'm really, really excited for this. Chicago Bears for Justin Fields here because this is a great piece for them especially as they're loading up on all these picks to to get a young player that's still very much room to grow but can be considered a cornerstone player in my opinion I think is a great great trade for the Chicago Bears. So how about a trade that I know I didn't see coming probably not a whole lot of other people saw coming but when you dig into the details it does make sense and we're talking about the Detroit Lions sitting at one and six sending tight end TJ Hawkinson to interdivisional rival the Minnesota Vikings. So this trade, and there are a lot of moving pieces here, so stick with me. The Vikings get TJ Hawkinson, a 2023 fourth round pick, and a conditional 2024 fourth round pick. The Lions, in exchange for all of that, get a 2023 second round pick and a 2024 third round pick. Now, the compensational part of this pick is interesting. And it is that... If the Vikings win a playoff game, that 2024 fourth round pick, or excuse me, that 20, yeah, 2024 fourth round pick becomes a fifth round pick. So the Lions are saying, hey, we're giving you this player. If they make your team better, 
you're going to get a worse pick from us, which I think that is really actually kind of fun to think about. So not only are you giving up, and this is a former first-round tight end. I remember talking about, I really wanted Green Bay to get TJ Hawkinson. I really loved him coming out of Iowa, and he has definitely shown some extreme flashes in the league as being really, really good. I think he was kind of maybe marred down by being in excuse me, in Detroit, and we will see what now happens as he goes from the 1-6 team to the 6-1 team. But the 1-6 team is saying like, hey, this guy, we're giving you a premier player at this position. If he gets you to where you want to go, you have to get even less from us, which is really fun negotiating, really fun conditional terms. I think that's just really fun and creative and cool. So like I said, I didn't see this one coming, but it does make sense because today Irv Smith was put on injured reserve. He injured himself in the game this week against the Arizona Cardinals. I believe it's looking like a six to eight week injury. So we're not talking one to two weeks. This is a long-term injury that's probably going to take a majority of the rest of the year. So going and getting this player of TJ Hawkinson, like I said, that I think definitely has the uh, excuse me, sorry, the possibility, capabilities, abilities to be a top tight end in this league is really good for the Minnesota Vikings as they are also pushing the chips in and saying like, hey, we are one of the best teams in the NFC. We can get there. This guy's going to help get us there. And for a quarterback in Kirk Cousins that has, I don't want to say struggled, but has not had a great chemistry, a great connection with the tight ends this year. I know he is in the bottom rankings in terms of chemistry chemistry isn't exactly the right word but in terms of production with the tight end position this is going to be a great boon for them especially opening up the middle of the field because I think it's a great example against Arizona this past week Justin Jefferson was I don't want to say struggling because I think Justin Jefferson is one of the best wide receivers in the league but he wasn't getting consistently open or they were doubling him. Having a guy like TJ Hawkinson in the in the middle is going to help open up those those windows for Jefferson. And I think it's gonna be a really good boon for the Minnesota Vikings. And you know what? I honestly think sitting here right now, and we'll talk more about the Vikings later, but they are in a great position to reach the playoffs, right? I mean, they are sitting at six and one. They've only lost one game against those undefeated Philadelphia Eagles when they got routed in a primetime game, but they're sitting in a great position to win the division, to get into the playoffs. I feel like that compensation is going to go down and become that fifth-round pick for the Detroit Lions. Okay, how about a big one? Bradley Chubb of the Denver Broncos being sent to the Miami Dolphins. This is a pretty big trade, a lot of moving pieces. So Miami received... Bradley Chubb and a 2025 fifth round pick. What they sent was a 2023 first round pick, a 2024 fourth round pick, and running back Chase Edmonds. Which don't even, no, actually I do. It actually makes me sad that Chase Edmonds didn't work out in Miami. I, I'm really happy to see Raheem Mostert. I've I remember going and driving to Philadelphia for during the time of my Masters and Raheem Mostert before he was anybody, before the four-touchdown performance against the Packers in the playoffs, before any of that, but when he was just a guy, talked about trying to make the team and being a team player and what he wanted to bring. And I was like, I like this guy, so I'm really glad to see him making an impact and doing well. But I was really excited about Chase Edmonds coming to Miami and, and working into that McDaniel fit and, and seeing what happened. Now, obviously, it hasn't been great. Um, which is why they felt comfortable to trade him in, in this package. So that, that's good. Hopefully he gets an opportunity in Denver. 
But I, I am bummed that Chase Edmonds didn't work out in Miami. But anyways, not to talk about Chase Edmonds. This is about Bradley Chubb. So Bradley Chubb is coming to the Miami Dolphins. This is a big one. This is a piece that we talked about, or we heard, I should say, we heard rumors that if Denver lost in London to the Jacksonville Jaguars, that Chubb could be traded, that Nathaniel Hackett could be fired. And they, they won the game, which I thought was kind of... I don't know. I don't want to say unfortunate, but I do think Denver has so much talent that isn't being utilized. It was a close game. It was harder than it. But then again, I guess I shouldn't discredit Jacksonville. I, I've been on the Jacksonville bandwagon and train as well. So I shouldn't say that they didn't earn the game because they won the game and that's all you can do when you play the opponents you play and you have to line up and, and execute. And that's what Denver did. I just, neither Adam or I had Denver making the playoffs, but we did not see this coming. At least I didn't see this coming. There's still time, but I just feel like there's being so mismanaged. There's still a ton of penalties. They're still getting down to delay of games and, and things like that. Communication's not there. Anyways, I'm talking about Bradley Chubb going to Miami. I'm not here to rail on Denver. So Bradley Chubb uh, this season is actually third in the league in terms of the highest pass rush win rate, and that is according to uh, Next Gen Stats. So the top three are Micah Parsons, which is not surprising at all. He checks in at 32%. Miles Garrett, also not surprising at all. He checks in at 30%. And then Bradley Chubb is number three at 27%. So he is uh, winning and getting off his guys and making an impact, which is which is great for Miami because they only have 15 sacks this season, so that is going to be important for them because they are not getting to the pass or to the passer right now. And in a division where you have Josh Allen and Mac Jones and Zach Wilson, say what you will about them, but you need to get them down. You need to make them uncomfortable, especially those former two, because they'll are they're more prone to making mistakes. Although we've seen that Josh Allen can't can make uh, a mistake when when pressured. So, but not only them. You're talking about the AFC, which we're always all we we know is is loaded. Talking about the the Patrick Mahomes and the Lamar Jacksons and even the the Justin Herberts. I know he hasn't made a playoff game. I think it could happen this year. They are currently stated slated in the seventh seed. Once we're talking about not only that division with Josh Allen, once we're talking about the playoff picture. These are the guys you have to face, and these are the guys you have to make uncomfortable. So getting a Bradley Chubb is extremely important to, to get there, to to make them uncomfortable, to make them force mistakes, because their secondary right now is is hurting and struggling. We'll see if Byron Jones ever comes back. I'm not even sure what's going on with that, but Xavier Howard can only do so much. They lost Brandon Jones uh, a couple weeks ago against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm loving Javon Holland right now, which is great and good, and he's all over the field, which is awesome and needed for the secondary. But when you have Xavier Howard and then a bunch of of guys that don't have that quality or caliber talent, you, you need to make the quarterback go quickly. So a, a really great trade, in my opinion, for Miami. They are they're they're investing. They're using those picks. This was uh, San Francisco's pick, which means I no longer have to spend all my time rooting against San Francisco, which is great because I think San Francisco is definitely up and coming. We just talked all about Christian McCaffrey, and they're on their bye. I think they're one of the best teams in the NFC right now that can definitely challenge. I think for the Super Bowl, uh, haters be hating on Jimmy G. Uh, that's that's my homage to to my my co-host is not here right now. Haters be hating, but he's getting stuff done, and they just swept the Rams again. Kyle Shanahan continues to sweep and show dominance against the Rams, except for in that playoff game. That was the I think the only time in ten games that they've lost against the Rams, and it came down to to a shootout, a one score 
wasn't even a seven-point game. So I think they're a great candidate to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, which makes me happy that we no longer have to to wait for that pick. We get a proven player in Bradley Chubb. Right now, I just hope and cross my fingers for Bradley Chubb's health. It's actually funny. I believe just last week, I was saying to Adam, I was like, whatever happened to Bradley Chubb? And not in a way that he's not being on the field, because he's actually having a great year. He has five and a half tackles, uh, I think 11 tackles, stopping stopping the run. I can, I can look up all these stats in, in a moment. But I remember during the 2018 draft, which is when Bradley Chubb came out, I believe, he was taken fifth overall by the Denver Broncos and this was supposed to be the player that was the next Von Miller which is why it was so exciting that he was going to Von Miller but people were like oh my gosh like Bradley Chubby's gonna be a wrecking crew he hasn't quite gotten there yet been a little more subdued now a lot of that I think is due to injury so Miami is definitely investing in that potential he's only 26 years old so he could still be coming into that prime if he's not an old NFL player by any stretch of the means but they they invested in this so they got rid of that that high that first round pick, which I believe, like I said, is going to be a high first round pick. So I, that doesn't make me sad uh, uh, or anything along those lines. But it's great to continue solidifying that defense because right now they are not getting a lot of pressures. Like I said, only 15 sacks on the year. And this is a team that does all those exotic blitzes and whatnot. So when you add Bradley Chubb in with Melvin Ingram and Emmanuel Ogba and Jalen Phillips and Christian Wilkins on the line, I think it's going to be just a really powerful line that I hope can get there a little bit more. I think Bradley Chubb will also help solidify that run defense a little bit, which I think will be good. So a really big trade for the Miami Dolphins as they're trying to keep up with the Bills and the Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens of the, the NFL as they're trying to continue putting their stamp on, on the league, saying like, hey, we're here, we're going to compete, and we're going to try our best. So what's fun about this is, like I said, this is technically – the, the 49ers pick from the Trey Lance trade and everything. But this still all stems back to the Laramie Tunsil trade from from way back when with the Houston Texans. So it goes all the way back to there. But the Miami Dolphins have used these trades and these picks and these these maneuverings to get to get Tua and to get Jalen Waddle and to get Tyreek Hill and to get Bradley Chubb. So it, it's been pretty fun manipulation of draft boards and picks and trades and and all that stuff so I think this is officially the end of the Laramie Tunsil storybook and how that impacted the Dolphins organization but good on the Dolphins and in my opinion to to get all those players that I think are cornerstone players now in the league to to be doing all of those things so great on them okay the last big one that I want to talk about and this is interesting has to do with the Falcons trading wide receiver Calvin Ridley to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now we've talked a lot about Jackson or excuse me about Calvin Ridley. Obviously, he took uh, some time off from football last year and then became suspended this year for his involvement with gambling and putting money on the Atlanta Falcons. Um, so we don't really know what's going on with that suspension, but still the Jaguars pulled the trigger to hope that that indefinite suspension only lasts this year and Calvin Ridley can be a part of this organization moving forward. So with this trade, the Jacksonville Jaguars get Ridley. The Falcons get a 2023 fifth round pick and a conditional 2024 fourth round pick that can rise with certain conditions. And these are the conditions. This is really, really fascinating in my opinion. It stays a four if Calvin Ridley is just on the roster, if he plays a game, if he's there. 
it becomes a three if Ridley reaches certain incentives. What those incentives are, I don't know. I can't imagine that they're super high. I feel like it's not that if Calvin Ridley reaches a thousand yards and has 80 catches, although it could be, I mean, I guess like that, that, that could be a possibility, but I imagine that they're lower. For some reason, my gut says something like 500 yards and five touchdowns or something along those lines. I don't think it's Calvin Ridley reestablishes himself as one of the best receivers in the league. It becomes a second if the Jags sign Calvin Ridley to an extension. I think that's really interesting. And probably, all things considered, the thing that makes the most sense to happen because if he's there to reach those incentives, etc., 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 they're most likely going to sign him to an extension because they traded assets to get him, right? And so, I mean, it, it, it's not a ton, right? It's only a fifth-round pick and, and a conditional fourth-round pick. But I think it's really intelligent on the part of the Falcons to say, like, hey, you're getting this piece. He's young. He's still only, I believe he's 28. He may not even have turned 28 yet. I'm going to fact-check that real quick as I'm talking. This is a guy that you're going to want to be around. So if he is part of your plans and he's there and he's able to be there, we get more. So it's kind of similar to what I was saying with the Lions and the Vikings trade. This is Atlanta also betting on themselves to 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 make a play and do some cool things with, with this trade, which I really, really like. Calvin Ridley is like 27 years old. He will turn 28 in December. So he's uh, about a month and some change away from turning 28. So still young, still able to do some things coming in 28 years old. Remember how explosive? It's been so long since we've seen Calvin Ridley, it feels like. But this is an explosive guy. This was the guy that came in that felt like he'd be the perfect running mate versus Julio Jones. That made it possible for Julio Jones to maybe not be there. And it, and it really was hurtful for the Falcons to not have him here because if you paired Calvin Ridley with Kyle Pitts and now Drake London, that would have been a great combination. But unfortunately, it didn't work that way. It's not looking that way. And, and, and it's not not going that way. But the Jacksonville Jaguars take, take a little bit of a risk if you will, in getting that guy, thinking he's going to be around in the 2023 season and beyond, and, and adding a piece to that that offense that can be really great for for Trevor Lawrence over there. All right, some other some other trades that uh, weren't weren't blockbusters or things. Naeem Hines went to Buffalo. Uh, William Jackson the third uh, with with Washington, who said they were going to release him if they didn't find a trade partner. He went to. The Pittsburgh Steelers, um, Zach Moss is now in Indy, and part of that trade with Naeem Hines. There, there, there's been a lot going on. It's been a busy day, which is really cool and awesome and great. Like I said, I talked about it for a half hour. It's great to see that the NFL went this direction and, and had this excitement on the day because it's just creating so many conversations. I was just having a conversation uh, a few minutes ago with, with the gentleman doing work on the house about how it's been an exciting day setting those records, and it hasn't been something. Usually it's like, oh, it's the trade deadline. Aw, but today's been the trade deadline. Like, oh, man, a lot's happening, which is really, really cool and great. But let's not talk about just the trade deadline on today's show, Josh, right? There's so much other things going on in the NFL to talk about, which is great. And so we should definitely talk about those things. So I'm going to talk a few minutes before we get into the, the, the Halloween staples that we have, just about some things that we saw in the NFL this week, which was a pretty good NFL week seven. Week seven, right? Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. 
Um, but yes. So started off Thursday night. Baltimore Ravens went down to Tampa Bay, and we were talking about whether or not Tom Brady could lose three games in a row and be under 500 this part of the season, and which has not happened, and it's been crazy. So like I said, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens were able to stem off any kind of fourth quarter collapses, and they won that game, which is great. They continue to be the kings of the AFC North, and the, the Bucks are sitting at 3-5. At and five. I don't know why I said it that way, but I was nervous that they weren't 3-5. and five. They are 3-5. and five. I had to really think about it. Oh, gosh, miss miss my bud, miss my bud. But they're still second in the division, which is crazy. It's crazy to think that if the Panthers had won that game, that they almost won in a, in a crazy fashion, that there would be a four-way tie, which would have been just neat and cool and funny and crazy. But the Falcons, that's a, it's a, it's a game to highlight. The Falcons are now kings of the NFC South at the, at the moment. We'll see. It's still just such a crazy division that who knows what's going to happen it really is wide open in my opinion even with these reeling teams the panthers very well could be there uh even though they are technically two and six right now like i said if they won that game they would have been in a first and a four-way tie for first in the division which is neat uh, they also needed the, the saints to win which they did uh but so that carolina falcons game that was that was nuts uh it was a really fun game and sometimes that's what it you do you get these games you get these two teams that you're like these aren't the greatest teams in the world but they're the ones that can make the best football which is really exciting sometimes atlanta almost blew it they had dj moore catch that touchdown and then have the penalty for taking his helmet off uh i believe it was unsportsmanlike conduct not delay of game although I could be saying that wrong. But this is controversial, and a lot of people were upset about this. And so the rule, as is written, is that the player cannot take off their helmet while in the field of play. So DJ Moore catches this touchdown, starts walking towards the crowd, and takes the helmet off. So technically, some people are saying he wasn't in the field of play because he had already exited the end zone to go talk to the crowd but see so here's where i think it, it could have been could have happened because dj moore re-enters the field of play after being really excited that he scored this awesome touchdown to tie up the game to probably win and he still is not wearing his helmet and i feel like that's where the flag gets thrown so it's after he re-enters and that's when it becomes unsportsmanlike or delay of game i apologize for not knowing exactly which one it was so it was really close to not being an infraction because it wasn't going against the rules but i think it's when he re-enters the field of play without his helmet that that becomes oh like that is what the rule is that has the flag so it cost him the 15 yards which pushed the extra point back and eddie pinero missed that point so we went into overtime at 34 piece and that's when uh, the Falcons were able to, to win the game and take place of that division crown. So that was a really exciting NFC South showdown, which was really great, really cool, really awesome. Uh, some other good games that we saw this week was was the, the Vikings-Cardinals game. This was one that I gave, gave Adam, and he thought the Cardinals were going to win. I will say I didn't think the Cardinals were going to win, which is why I gave him the game. But the Cardinals showed a lot of fight that I didn't know that they were going to show. And that's really great for them. So they're they're sitting with a pretty poor record right now. 
but I think this is a team that probably isn't in contention right now, but is going to play really hard, play some spoil alerts, and definitely be there. The return of DeAndre Hopkins has done a lot for this team, having him making sure his sure hands are there, and it makes a difference, and you can really, really tell. Another game that I was shocked by was another game I gave out in Pals Picks. It was the Saints versus... Uh, I'm sorry, the Saints versus the Raiders. I honestly changed my pick at the last minute to say the Raiders were going to win because the contingency that I thought the Saints were going to win was the play of Marshawn Lattimore, and he was ruled out. So when that happened, I switched my pick over to the Raiders. I did not see this game coming to to be blown out, to be shut out, to to not put up points. They didn't even cross the 50 until um, well into the second half of the game, which is just crazy. I, I'm really baffled by the Raiders. I didn't. I was not as high on the Raiders as Adam was coming into the year, but I did not see this coming. Uh, so I, I, I'm getting a little concerned there for, for Raiders country. I will say what is important and good is that Mark Davis did come out and say that Josh McDaniels is going to be the coach for a long time. So it seems that he is safe there, that they believe in building towards something. They go through these pains. I don't know. I feel real conflicted about this, and honestly, because I just feel like with everything the Raiders did, they're underperforming in so, so prominent of ways. The big additions that they've added, the Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones has been a ghost on the field. They're not getting to the quarterback, which is crazy because Max Crosby is one of the best rushers in the league, in my opinion, and I feel like he's the only one that's consistently getting pressures and getting there and definitely getting sacks. So I just feel like they're not living up to this potential that they have. Now, it's great to see that Josh Jacobs has has turned, I don't even know, a leaf, a rock, uh, a page, whatever you want to say, because he's been running hard, but the Saints clamped down on him, and he looked human. I know. The Raiders, they're they're a team that uh, is definitely, in my opinion, the biggest disappointment in the league, just because I think a lot of people had really high hopes, uh, my my co-hosts included, but they have not delivered on those. And then last night, we'll talk real quick about the, the Monday Night Football Halloween showdown, the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. Jamar Chase was ruled out. He went uh, has a hip injury, so he did avoid IR. He's not being put on IR. I think the Bengals' upcoming bye week helps with that, that they didn't want to put him on IR. But I will say, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit, and I don't want to take the words out of Adam's mouth, but it was real concerning because, I, and I will say, and maybe this is a bit of a, a, a recall. I, I've never said this on the air, I don't think, but I do think the hype of Joe Burrow has just gotten to such monumental ways that I think we needed to slow down, calm down a little bit because I feel like Jamar Chase oftentimes helps Joe Burrow look really, really good because Joe Burrow will throw a six-yard pass and Jamar Chase can take it 60 yards and do amazing things. And that's why Joe Burrow has has some really gaudy stats sometimes. I think that happened last year at the end of the year and they caught fire, especially in that Chiefs game. Remember when Jamar Chase broke the, the record and did all those great things? And then a little bit in the playoffs, he was bailed out a couple of times. I will say, and this is the recall, that Joe Burrow has shown me a lot of poise this year in a better way, especially as he's continued to be under so much pressure. 
he, he's showing good ways of, of taking those sacks, of getting down and protecting his body and, and doing things and getting right back up and then delivering strikes. I, I, I will eat that. I will say that he's shown me wrong in that way, and I'm very impressed by that. But I think it was the, the perfect formula that when Chase wasn't there, they struggled to push the ball downfield. And it wasn't until T. Higgins, which I'm a little bit salty about, and I'll tell you why later on, caught that pass and wiggled out of the, the Browns defender and scored a 40-yard-plus touchdown. But outside of that, it was, it was really stifled. And they're not running the football. They're doing the whole pass as an extension of the run play where Joe Mixon, they're throwing it out into the flat and hoping Mixon can make some plays because... The, the offensive line just is not making holes for, for Mixon and, and still allowing pressure and having Chase get or Burrow get sacked. And, it, and it's been ugly in Cincinnati. Both of them, both of us didn't have them making the playoffs, which was, was bold in my opinion, but we'll, we'll get into that. But you know what? I might as well get into it right now because we are getting in to some Halloween specials. This is a, a well-beloved part uh, on our part for the show. So we are going and we are going to unmask some teams two to three teams that we feel need to be unmasked that seem really good they're performing well but we think just aren't quite there that we think are semi-pretenders we're going to pull the mask off reveal old man jenkins and it's time to do so oh so adam texts me some opinions that he had and we are going to start the first team that adam is unmasking the New England Patriots. So Adam says they are playing the wrong quarterback for starters. Adam is very pro Bailey Zappi, not so much pro Mac Jones. I don't know. I really have no qualms, no dog in this fight. Mac Jones did great as a rookie. I think he he showed a lot of promise. He took his team to the playoffs, and that was something that we weren't expecting. So he's had some struggles this year, but to say that they're playing the wrong quarterback, I don't know. But I also just think that Bailey Zappi, I mean, he's, he's performing very similarly to Mac Jones. So, but anyways, Adam says, they just don't have enough. I love Ramondre Stevenson, and I think Harris... Damian is good, but their wide receivers aren't good enough right now to support a consistent passing game, in my opinion. They'll still win some games because Bill Belichick is still a great coach, but they won't make it to the postseason. I feel that, Adam. I agree. I don't think they're going to make it to the postseason this year. Um, I, I I have some some questions about the wide receiver position as well. You really like uh. Triquan Thornton, I believe, or Triquan, something along those lines. So they have Thorntonton, uh, which is a player that you really, really like. Um, they did lose their other rookie that uh, was a little bit older coming in. I can't remember his name right this second. Devontae Parker is banged up. He's dealing with a knee sprain, which, surprise, surprise, Devontae Parker is, is injured. And they don't have great consistency from the tight ends right now. The big targets they went out and signed in free agency a couple years ago, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Hunter Henry is not catching double-digit tight, tight, touchdowns like he did last year at this point. So I, I feel you. I think that is a, a great unmasking because I feel like this is a team that's reeling. Maybe definitely not as exciting as the other AFC teams, but they did win against the Jets, uh, a big one. But I, I do think that this is a good unmasking team or a good uh, good play there. Let's see what else he has to say. Oh, here we go. How I was saying, Adam is unmasking the Cincinnati Bengals. 
He says, we were on this in the preseason and then looked silly when they started their win streak. Now an ugly, ugly Monday night football loss showed everything wrong with the team. They gave up big plays too easily, which they really did. They made Jacoby Brissett to Amari Cooper look like Mahomes to Tyreek Hill or to Mahomes to, to Travis Kelsey, and they were just feeling it, and they were great. The only mistake was an Amari Cooper pass that was ugly as heck. Um, Adam continues to say, and without Chase to bail Burrow out, the line showed its true color, which I agree. Like I was saying, Joe Burrow has come out and, and thrown a lot of praise and applause on the, the offensive line, saying they're giving me enough time to get the plays that I need. But sometimes if you don't have that, like I said, the Chase six yards that can take at 60, it, it, it showed because a lot of players, Miles Garrett, uh, Deion Jones, uh, Isaiah Thomas, I believe, got his first NFL sack. Burrow was sacked four to five times last night and is on a pace for even more than last year, which is crazy. So I, I hear what you're saying, Adam. I, I feel that. I like that. I'm going to go with teams that... Um, so I'm going to break the rules a little bit because I think these are teams that very well can make the playoffs, but uh, maybe will get ousted or revealed there. So the teams that I'm going with, excuse me, is my first unmasking team is the Minnesota Vikings. <gasps> this is uh, kind of bold because, like I said, they are 6-1 and one right now. Uh, but I think there's a lot going on with this team that I just don't know about at the moment. And um, it really kind of continued to show in that Arizona Cardinals game. Like I said, this might be bold because of their 6-1 and status, number two in the NFC right now. But I just don't know if I totally love and feel invested in what they're doing. So Kirk Cousins, after the Cardinals game, came out and said... I thought we were a really good football team last year. We just couldn't find the inches in too many games. Why we found them now, I don't know. So, there there are a lot of things going on here. The new head coach, Kevin O'Connell, has come in and probably given some life and infusion where Mike Zimmer was very, very intimidating. So, I think it's a little bit more free. And we've seen new head coaches make instant impacts this year in, in numerous different teams, which is great and good and awesome, honestly. But I feel like the Vikings have been a team, for the most part, that have not been able to put their foot down when they need to and nail the coffin shut. The Cardinals game is a great example where the Cardinals just kept willing themselves back in the game and it almost came down to the Vikings could have lost this game. They didn't, and that's good. That's the inches that Kirk Cousins is talking about, that they were able to make the plays when needed to to win the game, and that's great, and that's all you can do in the league. But I don't know. There's just something about this that feels not exciting about me. They're still middle of the pack in a lot of different areas. Now, it was great to see Dalvin Cook come on. It was great to see Justin Jefferson eventually get going. It was great to see Zadarius Smith with three sacks. You guys know that I love Zadarius Smith. But it just feels like a team that can get exposed. And I, I'm, I'm worried about that because I, I like this team and I really like the players that are on it. Getting TJ Hogginson, I think, will help. And I just applauded them for doing that and talking about opening up the middle and, and making some things work. And he's also a really great blocker, which I think will help Dalvin Cook. But I'm just worried right now. This feels like a team that is six and 6-1 but very well could be 4-3 and three or... Three and four. It's all about those inches. And like I said, Kirk said, right now they're finding them. They need to continue doing so. 
but they need more than an inch in my opinion. They need that foot. They need that yard. They can't rely on the inch. They can't have it be coming down to fourth quarter comebacks and, and losing games and not putting it away. And and, and I, I'm, I'm rooting for them to turn it around. But right now, I think they're unmasked. The other team I'm going to unmask for a moment is the New York Jets. And I'll say this. I love what the Jets have done. I love the energy they're playing with. I love that they are performing much, much better than anyone, myself included, gave them credit for. And I know Adam was on their hype train in the offseason, didn't talk about it too much vocally on, on, on air, but he talked about it to me. It's great to see that young talent. The thing that makes me nervous right now is the play of the quarterback. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, because everything else is really, really rolling for them, right? They have a, a great top five defense that's going right now that's working super, super well. They have um, some some good things going with the run game, and I know that, that took a hit with Brees Hall going down. And I I know that they they traded for for James Robinson who didn't have a huge impact against the or the the um, the Patriots, but he just got there. But I'm just worried about Zach Wilson right now. Wilson has completed fewer than 50% of his passes against the Patriots. He threw three interceptions. Uh, it's just, I just don't know. I just don't know about this right now. And I'm not saying with where they are right now because they're sitting at 5-2, and two, I believe. 5-3, and three, excuse me. Um... So they're doing really well, but I just don't know how far Zach Wilson can take this team, and that's the reason I picked the Patriots to win because without Brees Hall, I think the offense always just relied on their defense to make those key stops, and they really were, and they're great at that, and they have those corners that we talked about a few weeks ago, but Brees Hall would just break a 70-yard run or a 60-yard pass, and they'd be able to capitalize on that. And I will say in the beginning of the Patriots game, I really liked what I saw out of Zach Wilson, but when Zach Wilson got rattled, he got rattled so badly and just made boneheaded mistake after boneheaded mistake and really in my opinion cost the team in that way and they weren't able to recover so I don't know I, I, I think it's so bold to say that they need to make a change or, or think about something but oh, right now I just it, I am worried about the cap that this team is because they're finding magic on defense and the 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 injuries though just Brees Hall going down and Elijah Vera Tucker going down and doing that, they didn't make a trade for alignment, which I think a lot of people thought was going to happen. Uh, it, it, it just makes me a little bit worried. So I'm unmasking right now the New York football Jets, which doesn't make me super happy. I, I think it's great that they're having success and they're scrappy and that's cool. That's fun. But I'm just worried about how far they'll go with that. So we just unmasked some teams. So now what we're going to do is we're going to slash some teams. Teams that are done won't make the preseason. They're done. We're going to slash them. Let's go to see what Adam said. Guys, this is a big deal. Adam is slashing the Carolina Panthers. He says, I was really encouraged by what they did. It just, it's just unfortunate and that this is was a shame that they had to win the division. Wait, what? I was really <laughs> I was really encouraged by what they did. It's just unfortunate that this was a shame they had. Oh, okay. It's unfortunate 
and it's a shame that they had to win the division. I don't know what he's saying. He's saying that they could have been winning the division if they won this game. It's a shame that they didn't. It's a shame that they lost the way they did uh, with that penalty and then losing in overtime. They probably deserve to win this game when the Falcons probably deserve to lose the game, but it didn't go that way. So um, he was. this was a team that Adam had picked to, to win the division and... Um, a lot is a lot has changed for Carolina. I will say, and I think it's really encouraging that they've shown a lot of fight and a lot of great play under Steve Wilkes, who I would love to see have another opportunity. We'll have to monitor that throughout the rest of the year. Have to see what they did, they do, and moving forward. But they they beat the 49ers, and they showed so much fight in this one, and they're they're really playing up well. PJ Walker is doing really well, in my opinion, doing a lot of great things, but just not getting it done right now. So. Carolina Panthers, you've been slashed. The second team, Adam, is slashing is the Denver Broncos. He says, I just think it's too late for them. Despite the win in London, they have to play the Titans, the Chiefs twice, and the Chargers again. I think those are all losses. It's just too much to overcome. I completely agree. Like I said, I don't even know if they deserve to fully win the game in... London against the Jags, but they did. There's just so many things going on with Nathaniel Hackett that I just don't love. They're still having too many penalties. I think it's being poorly managed. And I do think with those games remaining on the schedule, it's a tough slate. They they got the win here to technically stay alive. But I agree, Adam. I think that's a great team to slash. So Denver Broncos, you've been slashed. My teams that I'm slashing, pulling up here. I am slashing, and this is this is maybe not so bold this year, but I said they were going to make the playoffs, and I don't think they will anymore. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think they, they're falling behind, and I feel like it's a team in disarray. They still have so many great weapons, which I think is really surprising, but they open, the middle of the field isn't as open. I feel like they're really missing Gronk right now, and I think that's a really big piece that's not there. So... I just feel like the the defense has mildly regressed. I think the first couple of weeks, they were like, oh man, this is a top-tier defense. They still have so many great players that I really like. I like Antoine Winfield Jr. I really like Devin White. Um, I really like uh, Vita Vea and, and some of those pass rushers they have. But it's just not getting done. I don't know if they get to the playoffs, which is in an own right bold because they're coming from that NFC South when they're only one game out. Anything can flip. But right now, I just don't feel good about it. I can also say the same thing about my Green Bay Packers. And it's just uh, kind of mind-boggling to me because I knew that the wide receivers and the offense were going to struggle early on in the season. I really thought the defense was going to carry them. And the defense, I think, has been just as disappointing as the offense. I mean, it's, it's tough when the offense isn't having a lot of rhythm and is going out relatively quickly. It's hard to be out there on the field for so long, but they're just they're getting beaten a lot of ways, uh, which is disappointing. I, I'm not quite super solid ready to, to slash them quite yet. I feel like if they, they hit something that they, that they can, especially in a, a weekend NFC, because they're, they're, the NFC is really top-loaded right now. 
versus the AFC that is all very, very competitive. So I feel like if they can string some things together, it's, it's very possible. They didn't make a trade of the deadline, which uh, is slightly disappointing because they're, they're just going to go through those growing pains. I'm really, really fascinated to see what that means for the future of Aaron Rodgers um, because I feel like he, he did sign that extension. Uh, but this could be be the last year, especially if they didn't make a trade. He was on Pat McAfee's show today and was hoping that he could break trade news, but unfortunately that didn't happen. So we'll, we'll have to see. They're going to grow and, and go through the, the wide receiver pains that they have now. The running game looked really, really strong against Buffalo, so we'll see if they start to commit to that because defense can fluctuate. They have a ton of talent. They have a ton of former first and second round picks out there. Uh, that can that can make plays, and if they just gel and solidify, that that can become scary. But if they lose the Detroit Lions this week, I, I'm ready to slash them. So not quite a slash yet, but almost a slash. So we'll we'll certainly see what happens with them moving forward. A few things to talk about real quick. Uh, Marcus Brady of the Indianapolis Colts. He was the former offensive coordinator. He is former because he was fired after the loss against Washington. There was also another um, coaching assistant, Aubrey Pleasant, was fired out of Detroit. He was their defensive back coach. He was fired after the loss to the Miami Dolphins this week. So some so some coaching moves, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a hot second. But for right now, we are going to... Gotta pull it up, excuse me. To Pals Picks! So I want to say, last week, while I was off, Adam was just like, Josh is wrong. I disagree. He's wrong. I'm not going to sit here and tell Adam whether or not I think his picks are wrong or right, but I will say somebody, me, went 3-0 and last week, and somebody else, Adam, went 0-3 last week. So, yeah, before you come on here and be like, oh, Josh is, Josh is wrong, just check yourself. So I have a, my first lead in quite a while because we've been tied up because we've been on such a hot streak, but I am at 16 and eight right now. Adam is at 13 and 11. So, uh, still anyone's game. I can't get too cocky, but I will definitely take that badge of honor right now and take that win. But let's get into this slate of games first and see what's going on. So Adam gave me the games first, but I'm going to give you guys the games first. I gave Adam the Colts at the Patriots. So what Adam had to say about this game is he's taking the Colts. This is the last time I believe in them. If they blow this one, I give up. So Adam is taking the Sam Ellinger Colts against the New England Patriots because he thinks the Patriots are playing the wrong quarterback. Uh, I can definitely see this game being a tough one. This is a toss-up in my opinion. So Ellinger, uh, he played pretty well last week. 17 of 23 for 201 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. But there were similar issues, in my opinion, to what I saw with Matt Ryan. Of There was just nothing going downfield. There was a lot of just checking it down to a guy five yards and letting them make a play and doing some things that way. Um, I was surprised that Ellinger didn't run better, in my opinion. He uh, ran six times for 15 yards, so two and a half yards a carry, but just didn't look super comfortable at times doing that. And he did maneuver the pocket fairly well a couple times because Matt Ryan was taking a ton of sacks. So that was great to see. I, I do believe in Sam Ellinger moving forward. I believe that they can grow and, and, and do better around him. It was his first start. 
So I, I, I'm not overly concerned that they lost a really close game that they were winning until the very, very end. But Adam is is riding the Colts horseshoe right now. So he's taking the Colts over the Patriots. The second game is the Seahawks traveling to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. He is taking the Cardinals. And he has the same thought about them that he does about the Colts. If they blow this one, then he gives up on the Cardinals. So this is a rematch from just a couple of weeks ago when the Seahawks won in in Seattle limiting the Cardinals to only nine points. And I think it was probably the Cardinals' worst game of the year. Uh, definitely an eye-opener. So we'll see what happens if Seattle goes into Glendale, Arizona, and is able to win that game. That'll be huge for Seattle. I think that'll be a crushing loss for the Cardinals. Uh, that, that can pretty much right the ship the season, in my opinion, at that point, uh, if they can't get it done at home against their division rival, Seattle Seahawks. So he is taking the Cardinals. I will say, I've given Adam Seahawks games three times this year. He's picked them wrong every single time. So we'll see if that trend continues for a fourth time. The last game I gave him is the Rams traveling to Tampa to take on Tom Brady and those Buccaneers, the team that I just slashed. And we'll see if they hear that and say, Josh, we're slashing you by winning this game. Adam, though, is thinking that the slashing is valid and 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 good. He's taking the Rams in this one. The Rams that Cooper Cup is dealing with an injury but says he is going to play. The Rams that didn't make any huge trades uh, for the first time in what feels like forever. So uh, there, there is that. So Adam took the Colts over the Patriots, the Cardinals over the Seahawks, and the Rams over the Buccaneers. Adam gave me the games first uh, this week. So he the first game he gave me is the Chargers traveling to take on those first-place Falcons. This feels like this could be a trap game, but I'm going to go with the team that I said was going to win the division in the L.A. Chargers. The Chargers are coming off their bye week, so traveling across the country I think should be semi-minimized. So I'm not super worried about that. Not to say that I'm ever worried about that because I am very much the guy that says these guys are professionals and they know what to do with their bodies and this is going to be okay. But coming off that bye week, prepping for this uh, should be okay. Uh, The status of the wide receivers is a question mark though and does make me a little bit worried. Mike Williams is still dealing with the injury that we saw him go down with. Keenan Allen still seems to be having um, some hamstring issues. So he didn't know he didn't practice yesterday. I do not know the report as of today, but I know he did not practice on Monday. So it's a little bit dicey, but for some reason, my heart, my gut, I'm still going with the road chargers there. Second game he gave me is the Miami Dolphins traveling to take on the Chicago Bears. Uh, I'm going to go with the Dolphins in this one. I think the loss of Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn isn't putting up the 18.5 sacks that he did last year, but it's still getting into the backfield, still creating pressure. They don't have that right now. They don't have the man in the middle. And right now, Tua is just really cooking well with Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill. Tyreek Hill is on pace for 2,000 yards this season. Uh, Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill are, are breaking records as to the amount of combined yards that they have. I believe they have a stat as of the time they played. They have more yards combined than, I believe, seven other teams. Don't know if that still stands, but that's still crazy to think about. I think they're rolling right now. I think we're going to get a healthy run 
game going on without Roquan Smith there. So we'll see Mostert start to kick it up. Jeff Wilson's now there. I don't know how much he'll play, but they Miami Dolphins did trade for Jeff Wilson. So they're getting all the San Fran backs going on uh, in Miami there. So that could be a fun one-two punch. Don't know how much he'll play, but I think the run game can go well for Miami there. So I'm going to go with the Road Dolphins. And then the last game he gave me is those Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Here's the game that I'm most surprised by my pick because I'm taking the Raiders in this one, guys, and I hate it. I don't feel good about it. It's the complete opposite of my thinking because I've been pro-Jaguars and I've been anti-Raiders, but I think this one lines up for the Raiders. I think the Raiders are going to be angry that they just got shut out. I think the Jaguars are going to be coming home from London to host this game. And I just feel like I'm going to go with the experience of the Raiders right now in this one. Devontae Adams doesn't going to have the flu anymore, so he's going to perform better. He's going to get back in connection with Derek Carr, and some good things are going to happen for the Raiders. And it may come down to this game coming down to a field goal, and I think Daniel Carlson's the best kicker in the NFL, or excuse me, the second best kicker in the NFL behind Justin Tucker. So I will trust that guy to make the kick when needed, and that is a tipping scale for me. It really is, which feels ridiculous, but I'm taking the Raiders. So I am a road warrior team this week. I'm going with the Chargers over the Falcons, the Dolphins over the Bears, and the Raiders over the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that was Pals Picks. Oh, yeah. Fun. Uh, Fantasy Corner. Fantasy, guys. I lost a really important game, in my opinion, by half a point last night, which really hurt. It really hurt. And the thing is, the situation, I'm talking, I'm not even talking about our team right now. We we, we lost a game. I don't know about the state of our team. We have uh, some Chargers coming back, so we'll see if that makes a, makes a difference. So, but... It's really hard when you're in a position being in multiple fantasy leagues and maybe if you just play one or two, you don't find yourselves in these positions. But when you play the amount, and I don't even think that we go crazy. Some people just seem to be in hundreds and I think that's overwhelming and crazy. Not not crazy in a bad way, but like I just I can't imagine. But sometimes when you have a player that you just need on your team but you're also playing him. So the situation, so I just needed T. Higgins last night to catch one pass. Just needed one pass for five yards, for 10 yards, probably for two yards. I would have been fine. That's all I needed. And of course, the pass he catches goes for a 42 yard touchdown. And this was a, in, in both leagues, we have big play bonuses. So a 40 yard touchdown is worth a lot. But that was the one thing I couldn't have happen. If that defensive back just tackles him and holds the, holds the player and doesn't let that wiggle out happen, uh, it would have been fine. It would have been fine, but alas, here we are. That happened. The team, uh, the the simultaneous catch team. So we 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 lost pretty badly. We have slipped out of the playoffs now. We are no longer in a playoff seed, which is disappointing. So we're sitting at seven and nine. We didn't make the league meet, medium. So we we went with a let's have a fun play uh, in terms of. We went with Sam Ellinger over Marcus Mariota was my other number one choice. Should have gone with Marcus Mariota. I think we it wouldn't have mattered. We still would have lost. But uh, sometimes we just make silly plays like that. Um, 
So Najee Harris uh, is is on a bye week this week, so we don't have him to, to rely on. We'll have to see if Alan Lazard is out again. DK Metcalf did come back and do do well for us. Caught six of ten balls for did catch a touchdown. So it, it's good to have him. We have the newly acquired Viking tight end, TJ Hawkinson. So we'll see how he fits in. I don't know if we're going to want to instantly play him. We might have to look for a tight end. Um, so I, I don't really know what to say at this very moment. We definitely need to get in the winning category, the winning column, so we can get back into the playoffs with that sixth seed, uh, because we're, we're not going to contend for, for a bye week right now. So we still have some work to do, but we're well in the thick of things. We are still very, very possible of making the playoffs, making that push. So we'll see if that happens. The team that two teams that are five and six right now are only eight and eight. So it's very possible for us to get there and be there. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens with that. And that was fantasy corner that I told you almost nothing, but that's okay. I'm still upset about fantasy. Boycotting it. All right, so friends' fortune. So Adam has been been crushing it. I don't even know what he said last week. Um, oh yes, I did. He said it was something about the Packers Bills game about how it was going to be close and high scoring, and it wasn't. So he finally got one wrong, which is great. I'm going to go with one that I think is 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 pretty bold. I'm going to say that after this set of games here, week eight, I think head coach is going to be fired. I think there are a lot of teams that are in positions to to fire the head coach depending on how the game is lost so some teams i'm looking at right now i think so the denver broncos won last week which is great and good but there were the rumors out there that if they lost in london nathaniel hackett could be out i think they're still on the list i think if the the raiders who i picked to win if they lose though in an embarrassing fashion even with mark davis's comments which made me quell on him a little bit but I think if they lose in a really embarrassing way, it's going to be hard to continue justifying that. The Indianapolis Colts are, are a team that I look for. There has just been so much trying, and this is what I talked about with with um um I'm, I apologize with uh, the Carolina Panthers head coach that got fired, Matt Rule. I said they've been trying this, and they're like, we can get this quarterback and make it work, and we can get this quarterback and make it work, and we can do this. And they've just gone through quarterback after quarterback after quarterback, which I know isn't necessarily their fault. It wasn't their fault that Andrew Luck retired or that Phillip Rivers only had one year. But they they went out and they had Jacoby Brissett be mediocre, and they had Carson Wentz be, I think, very serviceable in my opinion, but you all know my opinions on that. So I think eventually the organization needs to take a look in the mirror and be like, something's not working here, right? It is. It wasn't your offensive coordinator. It's you. So if they lose it in a bad way, I can see them it's just being like, you know what? We're we're riding with Sam Ellinger to see what happens, but we're gonna have an assistant coach step in and we'll we'll reevaluate. So I could see Reich being one of those coaches. I could see Cliff Kingsbury if they lose at home against Seattle and their season's kind of feeling a little impossible to come back from at three and six that could be that could be a team to look at um that's really the only team i feel strongly about that way in in the nfc more so in the afc because there were so many expectations for the afc and some of these teams are just not performing up to snuff i could see that being a thing so after week eight i could see a head coach being fired so there's that 
everybody, I'm going to get ready to wrap up here. Uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, and I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Follow, make sure that you follow us on the social medias. We are at Simult Catch on Instagram. Uh, thanks so much for listening. If you haven't left us a review on, excuse me, whatever listening device that you are service that you're listening on, please uh, do that. Unless you're going to say something bad, and if you're going to say something bad, then choose not to do that, please. Um, but yeah, so leave us a review and say that you think we're silly or all of the good things that we are. We're passionate pals. Uh, next week we'll be back in together, which will be great. And we will be simultaneous once again. Uh, for now, we hope you had a great Halloween. We hope that you guys enjoy the upcoming week of football and we will chat with y'all soon.